Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. I want you to remember back in Exodus 32 when Moses made the people burn that golden calf that they made and he made them put its ashes into some water. And he made them drink it until they until it made them sick. <laughs> they needed to experience how sickening their sin was. They needed to choke on it. Now, I've seen UFC fights where there's a move called a triangle choke where they will choke their opponent into submission until they tap out. And we're going to see some of this same stuff today where, you know, sometimes we get stubborn with the Lord God in our pride, and he chokes us until we tap out. Okay, I give up. You win. <laughs> We're going to see some of this today. So does anybody remember Valley Girl? You remember in the 80s, it was Gag Me With a Spoon? Okay, so today's study is called Second Kings 4, Gag Me With a Stew. So let's keep in mind that all the miracles that Elisha did was for the purpose of showing the Israelites what their God thought of them. The Israelites had been serving the false god Baal for a number of years, and so every miracle that was done was to demonstrate their need to turn back to the Lord, that the Lord wanted his people to love him, to worship him, and trust him for their provision. He did not want them to look for any other god for those things. So that's the mindset we have to hold in order to understand these events with Elisha. 2 Kings 4, verse 38. And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered from it a lapful of wild gourds, and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. Okay, this is a big shout out to my church members who told me that that word is gourd, not gird. <laughs> I did the whole Sunday sermon and I said gird, and they come up to me later, Did you know that's gourd? So it's like, oh my Lord, he didn't say gourd. So I learned, hey, I'm a, I'm a redneck Texan. I, there's certain things I know how to say and certain, certain things I don't. It's, I just, I am who I am and you deal with it, okay? <laughs> so here we are. We have this a famine that was going on at this time and they had to grab whatever they could find to eat. In this case, it was a vine with gourds on it, which is some kind of a fruit. A gourd is like a fruit, something that a vine produces. So the vine that they found, they had no idea what it was. But since there was a famine, they just used it for this stew. I mean, they, they had no idea what they just grabbed, but let, let's eat it. 
Now, apparently the stew had a, a bad taste to it or it made them sick or something, and they ended up having some kind of a, a physical reaction to eating it. So they figured the pot had poison in it because we didn't know what this vine was. Whatever this thing was, it's making us sick. So it was obvious to them that not only was it bad for them, but it was going to make them sick or dead if they kept eating it. And so the obvious response to this was for them to say, hey, we better stop eating this stuff. Second Kings 4 and 41. So he said, then bring some flour. And he put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. Okay, during a famine, flour would be hard to find also. So they wouldn't have been able to find much flour to put in it. But the little bit that they could throw in, it was enough to make it pleasant for the prophets to have something to eat without it hurting them. But it actually gave them some nourishment. Okay, so we have a simple story here. But what is the point of it? We know that the nation of Israel had been deep into the worship of a false god named Baal for a long time, and this created their famine, not just a spiritual famine, but when they were worshiping a false god, then the Lord was going to cut off the provision for them. You know, when you worship the Lord, the provision's there, but you don't, that's the opposite effect. So this created a famine. Now, the people were spiritually starving not just physically starving, but they were spiritually starving for the Lord's provision, and I think a lot of them didn't even know it. Their false religion of worshiping Baal was disgusting, and it was sickening, and it was actually deadly. And so the Lord worked through Elisha to put them through what I call an experiential illustration with this pot of stew to get them to see the obvious response to Baalism of false god worship should be that the Lord was trying to get them to repent of this false god worship to get them to finally say, hey, this is bad for us. We'd better stop. We better stop eating this stuff. What an interesting situation to be put through, right? To help them see the sin of the nation, to make them choke on it. So that's why I call this message, gag me with a stew. They needed to see the poison of what bad religion would do to people if they kept eating it. Now, I want you to consider that Elisha, he did not make Baal worshipers eat this rotten stew. He made God's own prophets eat it, okay? Guys, these prophets were the proclaimers of God's word. So why did he do that? They knew the word of God as mere information. They had the word in them as head knowledge but they needed to be shown how sick and dying their culture was so that they'd swallow the word down as a belief so that they would be motivated to really get out there and preach repentance to turn back to the Lord. The Lord had Elisha make a sour stew for his prophets to choke on it, to get sick off of it so that they could see how bad Baal worship was. Now, remember they grabbed that vine they didn't even know what it was. They just said, hey, just grab it and let's just go with it, okay? The people of Israel had grabbed onto the worship of a false god named Baal, and they didn't even know what Baal was. They just said, hey, this is what's what it is. Let's just go with it, okay? So here the Lord was trying to say to these prophets, hey, at least you know who I am. You know, God had shown them his provision and his love for centuries, the people of Israel. And they had always thrived under his care. 
So for them to go and find this harmless-looking vine, I mean, it had some gourds on it. We can probably eat this, but it turned out to be sickening. Now, this would show the prophets how urgently they had to go warn other people not just to pick up any old religion that they could find, even if it looked harmless. The prophets had now realized just how sick their culture had become from the disgusting false worship of Baal. So when Elisha threw in just a little bit of flour in the stew and made it better, I believe that the picture here is that one little turn of repentance back to the Lord is enough to bring full provision from the Lord God. One single little turn of repentance is enough to counteract the sickness that sin will bring on you. I think if I were one of the prophets here in this story, (laughs) seeing all this go down with the uh, the stew, wow, you threw a little flour and I can eat now. I, I think maybe I would have said, guys, you know what? I realize that our friends and our family, our fellow Israelites out there are sick. They're choking and they're dying on false religion. I think we should roll up our sleeves and get serious about our work. We really need to do something here. The obvious response is, if that makes you sick, stop eating it. We need to change something. We need to change the stew. We need to turn. We need to change who we honor and worship here. We need to teach people to turn back to the Lord God of Israel, who had given them such a long-running track record of good spiritual nourishment. It's always sustained them before. We need to get out there and tell people we need to turn back to the Lord God. That's what I guess I think I would have said. I mean, I'm seeing it in the book. I would pray that's what these guys learned. I think that was the lesson, the point about this bad stew here. 2 Kings 4 and 42. Then a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people that they may eat. Okay, look at this, guys. First, there was a famine, almost no food anywhere. The famine was the dryness and the starvation that results from believing in false religion. So now that the prophets had just realized the extent of how sickening Baal worship really was, and how they just realized that just a little bit of flour could counteract the poisonous effects of the stew, then suddenly this man showed up with food. Okay, they just went from famine to feast. They went from bear to buffet. This man was apparently a believer who lived by faith, and so he knew he had to go to these guys, and he was willing to give to them the first fruits of his work as an offering to the Lord. And so it's obvious the Lord told this man to bring it to these prophets because it was the Lord's provision for them. Now, when I consider the timing of this man's arrival, I figure this man, he could have come earlier with this food, right? I mean, why didn't he show up before? They were hungry before. I believe the Lord held this man back from them. Why? Because the prophets first needed to understand that not only does false religion make you sick, but it will also hinder you from receiving all the great blessings that God wants to give you. God has the ability to give and provide. So if you ever wonder, where is the blessing? You ever get like that, friend? Where is God's blessing in this time? Why? How come he's not doing what he could do? you ever wonder that, then perhaps maybe you should review your life to find any false God worship somewhere 
Maybe you started trusting in money. I don't know. Why is God withholding the blessing? There's got to be a reason for it. Exodus 20 and verse 3 says, You shall have no other false gods before me. You know, friends, there's a lot of people that choose to break this commandment. They think it's no big deal until they are in need and they wonder why God does not come through for them. Friends, God can certainly come through for you, but you have to consider why is he delaying? Why did he delay the man with food to come to the prophets when they were hungry? Because they needed to see the overall picture first. They weren't getting it. They needed to see that serving false gods is poisonous, and it'll make you spiritually sick. And if you continue in it, it'll make you dead. So the obvious response is, hey, we'd better stop this. But you know, as we all are, friends, people just hate change. Even if it's good change, people hate it. (laughs) We get used to our habits, and a lot of people would rather choke on their ways than have to make a change, even if it's a good one. Now, at that point, if it gets like this, that becomes practically self-inflicted as to why somebody's life is perpetually messed up because they won't turn. They won't change anything. Would you deliberately eat a sewage sandwich day after day knowing how terrible it tastes and how sick it's going to make you? Why would somebody do that when someone finally realizes how bad the taste of sin is? Then that motivates them to finally make a change. Ephesians 4, verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, this indicates you need to change. Well, something's wrong. You're serving a false God in some kind of way. You need to make a change. These prophets here in this story, they had been in school learning God's word. They knew it, but they were accustomed to the Baal worship that was in their culture. They they were okay with, yeah, we know it's out there, but whatever. And although they had studied God's word, The Baal worship wasn't really that big of a priority to them. When they went out to find a vine to make that stew, they took whatever vine looked good to them. The Lord was demonstrating to these guys, hey, don't just pick up whatever belief system looks good to you. Friend, hear me. Don't just go after whatever religious system looks good to you. How many people are there today into sickening false religion that looks good on the outside, but once it's been taken in, it makes them spiritually sick. Their lives are a mess. Their attitudes are a mess. Everything's going wrong. Friends, you know, there are more religions out there than I have time to name, but they have an appearance that looks godly, but it's not the worship of the Lord God through his word, through faith. Second Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Okay, 
That's what our culture's done today. That's what our world is doing right now. We don't want to listen to God. We don't like him. We'll make up a God that works for us. And so we got to consider that the Lord made his prophets, not the guys worshiping Baal. He made his own prophets choke on this stew, gag me with a stew. He did this to them to get them to see how poisonous the Baal worship had become all around them, all over Israel. And friends, I think we need a similar realization of this ourselves, because there is a lot, and I do mean a lot, of bad sin in our culture. And sadly, Christians today have become just as accustomed to this sickness being in our culture as these prophets were with Baal worship being in their culture. There's a lot of agendas on TV. There's a lot of terrible things that God's word says is sin that people are pushing in our culture that says, nope, it's okay to do this now. They march in the streets demanding to keep their sin. They march with pride for their sin. And a lot of the ministers of God today, the supposed Christians, they're okay with it. That's no big deal. Look at the prophets in this story. They were okay with it, and they shouldn't have been. These prophets had studied the Word of God. They knew the information, but it was only in them as mere head knowledge. Friends, we have got to get past the Word of God just hanging around in our head. We have got to get past that. We have got to swallow it down deep into our spirit, down into our heart, where it will become a belief. And then we will get to see how disgusting sin is. We'll choke on it. And that will finally motivate us to get out there in our culture and preach the gospel message, along with the prerequisite that Jesus said in Mark 15, repent and believe in the gospel. This means you got to change. I want you to notice how repentance was listed first. You can't believe in the gospel and repent later. You have to repent first. It means you got to change. These guys were joking on the stew. Well, let's just eat the whole stew and we'll worry about it later. No, it was going to kill them. There was death in the pot, they said. They needed to change something. There's death in the pot. Okay, here comes the change. Throw some flour in it. They had to change something, and then it made everything better. Friends, you can't believe in the gospel if you're not going to change from your old life. You've got to change. You've got to do something different. You've got to turn back to the Lord God of Israel. I want you to think about how many people are out there sick and dying because someone who called themselves a Christian did not tell them that they had to repent first before they could be saved. Friend, you cannot be saved without repenting of your old life of what God's word says is sin. If I want to drive to the city of Austin, Texas, I have to leave the city I live in. I I can't get to Austin unless I leave where I'm at. Friend, you can't come to Jesus if you won't leave your old life. Change is required up front. No change, no salvation. No change, no salvation. Today, there's a lot of what you call head knowledge Christians. They're running around with nothing more than their little sayings, the the cute little T-shirt and bumper sticker theology quotes that they like to say, like, not today, Satan, or Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, uh, there's another one. Uh, Jesus is my co-pilot. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus is your co-pilot, you better swap seats real quick. (laughs) That's not going to get you anywhere. And that kind of talk never saved anybody. It is the word of God that is sharper 
than any two-edged sword that can cut and penetrate its way deep into a person's heart. You've got to know God's Word, friend. You can't know some cute little phrases. You need to study the Word of God. Don't just have a bunch of nice little catchphrases that you got off the internet somewhere that somehow eliminates the element of repentance. You've got to have repentance up front. Friends, we got to realize these prophets here were put in a situation to get them to understand that there was death in the pot. What was required at that point? They had to change. They had to turn. Something had to be done different. What does it take for modern-day Christians to see that there is death in the pot? There is sin in our culture, and we have got to understand that any belief system that tells people that they can be saved without repenting of their old life is nothing more than religious sickness. Friend, don't just pick up any old vine and say, well, let's eat that. Don't just grab any old religion that looks good, you need to be in the Word of God, or else you're just following religious sickness. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can you imagine sitting in a room full of demons? teaching you what to do. Here's how you ought to do it. Here's how you ought to live your life. And there's these evil little demons. They're wicked as anything, telling you how, what you should be doing. And you go, oh, okay, yeah, sounds good to me. And you run out and do it. Well, the, the, the Spirit says, don't do that. Have you ever had food before that tasted so bad that it was just demonic? <laughs> uh, watermelon is like that. Now, I hate watermelon. Watermelon is demonic. Okay. <laughs> You ever had food poisoning before? I think food poisoning is about the sickest I think I've ever been in my life. Think of the worst, most disgusting stuff you have ever eaten in your life. And consider that there are people whose spiritual diet tastes like that every single day. They are so sick. What they believe has got their thinking is so foul that they can't even function right. The other day, I saw a video of Elvis performing a concert, probably about maybe a few weeks before he died, and he looked so sick. He could hardly stand up straight. He could barely walk. His his words were slurred and messed up. I'm not I'm not jumping on Elvis, but I'm just saying the man was sick. The problem is, and what's sad, is that there was nobody that was looking out for his health. They were just pushing him to make that money, more concerts, more stuff. Nobody was looking out for the man. There should have been someone looking out for Elvis. He wouldn't have had his last concerts look like that in that shape. Somebody should have been looking out for him. Friends, we're the Christians of today. We're the believer. We are the ones who should be looking out for the spiritual health of those who are sick. That's our responsibility. But what will motivate us to do it? Well, consider again how the Lord did not make the Baal worshipers eat the bad stew. He made his own guys eat it, his prophets. The Lord did not shout out, hey, all you Baal worshipers, get over here and eat this slop and gag on it. God didn't say that. God made his own guys eat it. Why did he do that? 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.